Balance your trading strategy by adding futures. CME Group helps you manage risk and capture opportunities in all market environments. Capitalize on around-the-clock access to highly liquid global futures and options market across all major asset classes. Just visit your online broker and get started. Plug into valuable educational materials and trading tools and see what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com slash on the tape. All right. So we're trading spaces. A lot going on here on a Monday. Kind of interesting action. Guy, when I wake up on a Monday and I kind of forget how we close the week on Friday, sometimes, you know, so much happens uh, in the weekends in our lives here. And I see the S&P futures up 40 bips pre-opening. I'm like, oh, all wells in the world, right? Like if there's no big headlines, there's no this. What What is your take here? Because you just said to me, kind of interesting that now we have a VIX that's, you know, up a point or so, you know, um, and we have a lot of stuff that's kind of red on your screens that was green when we started the day. What does that say to you opening? Yeah, well, I mean, I, look, I mean, of all the things to take away, it's pretty benign day, obviously. I mean, the S&P is flat, but the VIX trading 17 on, on this benign day, I guess is quasi interesting. I mean, it would be more interesting, obviously, if it was north of 20, but I bring that up and, you know, this moving yields, we saw that sharp move to the downside in 10-year yields. I think they're traded on a 143 mm-hmm. a week or so ago. Now we're here we are north of 160 again. I mean, I, you know, I don't – again, I'm not pretending I know what to make of it. I'm, I, I don't pretend about a lot of things. But, you know, I continue to say yields continue just to grind. And I still think they should be 2%. I'm shocked that they're not there. But here we are at 161. So – the two things that stick out to me today are it's, it's obviously the VIX sort of getting a pulse and this continued grind higher in yields. Yeah, I mean, listen, it, it, it's a grind. I'm not sure it's higher. You know, we, we've kind of shown the chart. I'm sure Amanda will look at it. If you look at a two-year chart, the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield, you see this thing kind of working into a bit of a triangle. Sooner or later, it's going to break one way or the other. And, you know, both ways that it breaks, if it were to break above it and, and go back to the, the, you know, the 2021 highs of 177, the 10 year, and maybe go to 2%, maybe not for the right reasons. You know, in times past where we've seen rates go higher in this period of, you know, tapering and, and unwinding, ZERP and all that sort of stuff, it's not always because you know, the economy is doing better and we're okay with, you know, higher rates and the equity market's going to be okay with it. And I kind of feel like what's different this time, guy, versus let's say 2014 when we started to end the taper there and thinking about coming off a of ZERP is that, you know, we've talked about this, the Fed balance sheet nearing 10 trillion and every other sovereign, you know, like central bank also this way. So I just don't think rates are going higher. Now, if they were to break lower, and you could have made that argument when we were like kind of just just north of 140 last week in the 10-year yield. That might be a really bad thing, too. And the other issue is valuations. You and I were just on our CNBC Fast Money call. We do a call midday, talk about what we might talk about at 5 o'clock. And, you know, I thought the crowd strike downgrade guy, and the stock is down – 12% right now because it was initiated with a sell at Morgan Stanley. And so I don't know if it's exactly a downgrade because a new analyst, maybe they initiate it. And I thought the quote that I thought was really interesting is that not particularly attractive at 12, uh, 26 times sales. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where we are in this market right here. No, good for them. And in terms of CrowdStrike, first of all, I, at least they're doing it when the stock was, you know, basically at an all time high a week or so ago. And it's had this sort of unabated run, higher since the spring but if you look at it and i'm sure amanda can't pull up a chart i mean this is a pretty good looking chart if you go back to the lows of march of 2020 we're still in a pretty significant uptrend now 
you get a close below so this sort of this 240-ish level, 245, and then it's different. The horse will be a different color, as they say. But I, I like when analysts do this at levels where, you know, maybe they are putting – they're sort of putting a flag in the ground. They're saying too much, too fast. This has got to end. Obviously, we're seeing Z-Scaler come off today. Palo Alto is probably lower. But valuations at a certain point matter. And I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, below the surface, again, on an S&P 500, it's effectively unchanged on the day. Yeah. Once again, below the surface, we're All seeing right. some damage in some of these names. I have a stock for you where valuation does not seem to matter. And it might just be as simple as scarcity. But Rivian right now went public last week at – would it go public at like seventy eight bucks or something? Seventy eight, like I think. Yeah, seventy eight. I don't bucks. know. I mean, I it, think it's, that's right. it's trading. It traded almost as high as one fifty today, and it's got a hundred thirty billion dollar market cap. Um, so when you think about that, there's just no valuation support. We had Packy McCormick on our podcast on the tape last week. He did a sponsored deep dive on the name and the lead up. He was using, uh, I think, the S1 where the price range was originally like 52 to 60 or something like that. And that was implying a valuation somewhere, you know, 50, 60 billion dollars in market cap. And he was making a uh, you know, multiples of sales, price of sales argument of if they did a certain amount of deliveries over the next three or four years, you could kind of grow into that valuation. Well, here's the thing. There's no valuation support here anyway. And it just seems to be as Tesla has come in 20% over the last week or so, um, this thing is benefiting. Um, I don't know if it's a kind of a an easy way to think about things like, okay, well, this was 1.2 trillion. This is a hundred billion. And then you had all the way on the other end of it, that Lordstown Motors at 1 billion. Um, I do think it's interesting guy that Lucid, which also started shipping their 160 some thousand dollar, um, you know, EV sedan was just named Motor Trends Car of 2022 next year. Can I, I'm going to stop that? you for a second. I, just yeah, because, I mean, this, so I was old enough to remember when people used to get these Motor Trend magazine things every month, whatever the hell it is. From what I could tell at a young age, again, I'm not that bright. I think people have come to realize that. But I was always fascinated by the cars that didn't freaking win Motor Trend Car of the Year because it seemed like every car imaginable won that award it was complete i don't mean use the word horse shit anyway please continue well, why, why i mean there's there's different uh yeah you know, i know there's, there's different categories so if they're if there are basically a hundred different cars there's 95 different categories all so right the, it's to me pretty... the one that's more important is who doesn't win back right. when i was a kid not that it matters but you know what didn't win that um the horse it was the no, horse that of the, year pacer, back when you were the amc kid. pacer didn't win yeah the that's horse right, that's right. by the way yellowstone last night unbelievable un freaking believe a show just gets better and better if you haven't seen yellowstone i don't know what the hell you're waiting for sorry dan yeah so what do you um guy what do you make of michael barry of the big uh big short fame he he's he's got a beef with elon musk here he, yeah he does <laughs> so talk let's talk about this because you know it's funny i mean i saw the movie you obviously did not and Christian Bale's portrayal of him, I just hope he's like somewhere close to that badass. Uh, you know, um, I don't think you want to pick a fight with him. the richest guy against the world in the world versus the smartest guy in the world. What do you think? At least, well, as it relates I think to they're both. Listen, they're both really smart, and obviously, you know, one is the man, the wealthiest person in the world. I, I wouldn't bet. And you know, Michael Burry will say. I mean, he will flat out say. I mean, timing is not his thing. I mean, he's thematic here, and. 
you know, I think people, when they hear him or see him or read his tweets, by the way, what is it? Cassandra, I think, is his uh, moniker on Twitter. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that, but that is – well, I just said it. So You're allowed to say it. it. He's at Michael J. Burry or some stuff like that. Yeah, but my is point Cassandra. is yeah. – Look, I mean, he'll say it all the time. Like, timing is not his forte, but he definitely does his work. So, you know, you sort of – I think you discount him at your own peril. And I didn't think Tesla was going to trade 1240. I definitely thought it was going to trade 1,000. If you watch Fast Money, you know we said it for a while. But I still think it's going to do this back and fill to the prior all-time high of $900.30 or thereabouts, which was the high back in February. Yeah, and that's when you usually say, back to you. Let me tell you something. Back to you. you. I I tweeted this this morning, and there was a guy on the first trading desk I worked on up in Connecticut in the late 90s, and he used to say this all the way. No one says, no one rings the bell at the top. You ever hear that expression on a trading Mm -hmm, desk guy? Remember mm -hmm. that? I'll tell you this. Elon Musk might have made the all-time biggest top call ever. His stock was $1.2 trillion. It was literally just hovering there over a weekend. He's bored. He's doing whatever he does on you know 420 on a Friday afternoon. And he tweets that thing out about should he sell his stock or not. And obviously, that's what Michael Burry has been kind of ra- raging about over the last you know few days or a week or something like that. You know, you can make a case. There's there's a there's a scenario in this world that Tesla never trades above that ever again. Who knows? I'm just saying, like, look at what's going on with Rivian. We're going to see a lot of other names. We're going to see Ford and GM and the Germans and the Japanese and the Koreans. And they're all going to have um, cars that might be motor trend cars of the year in the EV space sometime soon. But who knows? I think you're right, guy. I think you have a retest of that breakout level. There is a gap there just above nine hundred dollars. And let's see how it trades there, because otherwise then maybe you go back to that consolidation near. Uh, level near 800 but there's some weird shit going on here and that is exhibit um a so guys let's move this around a little bit because we have retail earnings coming out our main man carter braxton were at a post this morning about target and he thought it sets up kind of nicely and it got me looking at some of these other retail names into their earnings they've had massive runs i mean they literally went up in like a straight line back to their prior all-time highs after a big correction we saw some disappointing consumer confidence number uh, data last week. What is your take of the retail stocks? Is it a treacherous setup? And all you have to go look at is the BBY to answer that question. Yes, it is. Yeah, but that's, setup. you know, yeah, I agree with you. But that's, its own, as you know, it's its own story. Obviously, we've seen similar moves in Macy's. But in terms of Target, I mean, we're right up against those August highs, which I think were 264 or something. I, I think Target made a new all-time high today, if I'm not mistaken, at 268. Is they going to have the mo- the mother of all double tops, as I like to say? Actually, I shouldn't say the mother because it only goes back to August. But you, know, you have a major double top where it's going to break out. I happen to think Target's going to break out to the upside. If you watch Fast Money, which hopefully most of the folks on this do, we've talked about Dollar General now for quite some time. You're seeing a huge move in Dollar Tree. So there is this world where some retailers are just absolutely killing it and others are sort of falling by the wayside. That uh, was true prior to COVID, and I think that that phenomenon is just phenomenon has just been sped up during COVID, and I think you're going to continue to see that. By the way, I think the one that really sort of um, resonates with me that hasn't performed for a while now is Walmart, and I know everybody likes to talk about WMT, but 
you know, I think you can make a pretty compelling case for that stock as well, Dan Nathan. Yeah, I, I suspect, you know, and I've said this to you before, and I saw um, a tweet this morning. I can't remember who did it. Um, you know, I've said this a few times. I mean, listen, you know, I, I'm kind of like one of these reversion people. And when the voices are so loud on one side, I kind of suspect, at least from what I've seen in the markets over my 25 years in the business, we usually see it come back the other way. So that's one of the reasons why, you know, I feel like, the issues as it relates to inflation, I get it. People say wage inflation is really sticky, but some of the other things that have been inflated because of the bottlenecks as it relates to supply chain disruption, everything, I expect that stuff to come in. I also suspect that there are just a lot of retailers. There's a lot of manufacturers that are just scurrying around, double, triple ordering. I think we're going to have massive supply gluts next year. I think that could be um, a real big drag on expectations. And let me tell you something. If Q4 growth does not materialize the way a lot of people expect it to after such a Q3 disappointment, and then we find ourselves with excess inventories all over the place, and then we have consumer spending depleted, and we have you know all this sort of stimulus kind of running down here, it might be a really like kind of shitty sort of year next year um, as it relates to, you know, expectations for growth and that sort of thing. So I don't know. I feel like the stock market is kind of fully valued here. I know a lot of people listening here may say um, you say that quite frequently. And I don't always say that. I'm not a perma anything. Right, guy? You're perma handsome. I think you're perma amusing, um, you know, but yeah, you're not a perma bear. I think you get late. You know, it's so easy to label people. It's funny. I'm just going through my Twitter. I mean, the vitriol I get on Twitter is really oh, remarkable. But, stuff. But, I, but I embrace it, actually. I think it's sort of funny. In terms of your – I think you're right. But what you're talking about is probably, you know, a spring of next year phenomenon. There's a lot of, there's a lot of real estate between now and then, and a lot of weird things can happen. So you could see this continued move higher in rates, which at a certain point I don't think the market's going to particularly like. And you could get some sort of reflex action – on the yeah. back of it. So, look, the market, this is a seasonality thing where the market seems to be on autopilot, and that's probably going to continue. But, but again, below the surface, I mean, you take away the broader market, look at some of these individual names and what's happened, both to the upside and the downside. I mean, this is, they're not, that does not signify a particularly healthy market when you see companies with market caps anywhere from 10 to $50 billion moving 15, 20, 30%. Not in a day, but in literally minutes. Yeah, but you know what, guy? It's, it's not just that, and we, we haven't really mentioned we haven't even mentioned crypto yet. Like, so this summer, okay, I was reading a post by our friend Packy McCormick, all right, and he writes the not boring newsletter. If you guys don't um, subscribe to it, you should. He was on Fast Money with Guy and me last Monday night. He's coming back on tonight, guy, to talk about something that I think is super cool about this DAO, this decentralized autonomous organization that's trying to raise capital enough money and eat to buy a version of the constitution that is going to be auctioned off at Sotheby's on Thursday. They've already raised $3.2 million. The constitution, everybody's probably, matter of fact, maybe some of the people elected Officials should start to read that. Right. Anyway, so please this continue. Is a real, this is a super cool project, and it's just kind of showing some of the use cases of a decentralized web and how this stuff could go and governance and all this sort of stuff. So Packy's coming on tonight. That's going to be fascinating. He wrote a post um, on it um, this morning, so check it out. But here's what I wanted to say. He wrote a post called Nifty Corporates, and it was about the corporates. Remember when um, Visa bought that NFT in the summer and the NFT market went like kind of silly and then um, – 
Budweiser bought one and it was just a big thing. And in that post, he had a, a mention of, of registering a domain um, name, okay, a .eth name, okay? So that's based on Ethereum blockchain. You get your uh, domain name just like you could have riskversal.com. All right, I registered my domain, my domain name. name. I just got access to a airdrop. Okay, from that organization, okay, because I was an early adopter, early, this was August people, okay, and I was just given tokens that were worth over $20,000. So I didn't do anything. I read a post from a guy who's writing about this stuff, and I was literally, free internet money was just put into this, like, wallet of mine. It's too easy out there, guys. I'm just telling you, guy, when have you ever seen it? that easy that's well i mean if you come i will tell you if you if you really want to know the answer to that for you you folks so inclined if you want to come play craps and learn how to play craps properly with me that's very easy i will tell you we will print money but short of that you're right dan it's never this easy well but but it's going on all over the place and i just think it's like super odd to me right now um we brought in i i see my i see my internet friend Ramp Capital. If Ramp, if Amanda asked him to come in, I got to give him a shout out because um, Packy came on our podcast last month and he was wearing a wrap. Remember, he was wearing that Ramp Capital um, uh, jumper, as you might call it, guy. And, and I ordered jumper? one of those things, and I have one, and I wore it. I wore it. I was wearing, you know, it's like a you know a pullover or something like that. So um, Ramp is a very astute. Uh, market commentator follow him on twitter there people all right guy before we take some questions here um what's sticking out to you other than some of the stuff that we covered here casinos i'll give you one more casinos look at win and look at las vegas sands i mean look again i'm not trying to play the valuation game but las vegas sands is just way too cheap in terms of a lot of different metrics and i think it got caught up in a lot of the um a lot of things you heard out of china a lot of those chinese internet stocks i think it just got sort of laid to rest with them. But I think LVS is worth a look. I think Win as well uh, with some of the things that are going on there. That sticks out to me, Dan. Yeah, I think that goes to, you know, possibly the, the opposite side of what might be happening. You know, uh, like, you know, we, we, we're seeing stories that are bad. They can't go low enough. Stories that are great, they can't go, you know, they do go high enough. You know, that sort of thing. At some point, we're going to see a bit of a, um, a bit of a reversion. I would mention one name that, you know, we had been talking about. Um, PayPal had gotten hit very hard after their Q2 results, Q3 guidance um, in July. It kept on going lower. There was that kind of trial balloon floated. They might spend 40 or $45 billion to buy Pinterest. No one thought that made any sense. So that was not going to happen. Then they reported their results. It's disappointing. The stock has been off, what, 10% since then? I'd say at some point, guy, in the not-so-distant future, it, was, it held 200. That seems like a nice round number here. You continue to base down there, holds 200. You get a gap fill. Maybe you see this thing back towards 240. What do you think of that? I do have a Pinterest page, by the way, for those so inclined. It's, it is a one, so I'm not even kidding around. I was an early adopter of the Pinterest, Dan, as you know. Rick Heitzman turned me on to it. And yes, he did. My Pinterest page is one of the most um, frequented pages on, on their site. Quickly, Dan. Not true. Pardon me? Not true. But you know what ahead. else is interesting? Real quick, I only mention this because I remember the day it happened. It's like a couple of years ago. I think it was Bank of America downgraded tenant health care. The stock was trading 24 at the time. They put a $21 price target. I think you were on the show that night, and I said, you know what? I don't know what they're looking at, but I'm telling you right now, if it gets to 21, you buy this sucker with both hands because I don't think it's going to get there. 
just take a look for those so inclined. Uh, take a look at THC, Dan, on its horse once again. So you asked me what's sticking out to me. That's sticking out to me as well. Oh, okay. you know what else is sticking out to me? The fact that the New York Rangers, a lot of people are non-believers out there uh, playing some great hockey right now. Road Warriors won a tough game last night at the Garden against the Devils. We got the Habs in town Tuesday night. I am so this is the most excited I've been for Ranger hockey in about seven or eight years. Back to you, Dan. All right, fair enough. Um, Guy, one quick question for you. Um, Lulu, have you ever bought anything at Lulu, you personally? Actually, sure, you know, sure I know Lil's you make has. fun of me, but there's a Lululemon in the Short Hills Mall. It's a, it's a very large store, and the boxer briefs are fantastic. I mean, I've completely embraced that. So, yes, Dan, I have. Um, I just bought my first Lulu stuff. I feel like I'm kind of late to the game. The stock just went from what, like 380 to 460 in a straight line over the last month. But I was in a mall. I was charging my electric car. That's what you have to do, people. You have to go do those at malls if you're like in the middle of Connecticut. And I went into a Lulu and I bought a couple of their shorts and I, I kind of like them. I feel like I'm really late to the game here. But, you know, this stock is, is kind of interesting. We just had Nike have a, a similar sort of move. It seems like some of these apparel names and stuff, they don't seem to be too bothered about supply chains. And didn't Nike get hit? Didn't they pre-announce um, because they, they had mentioned some 40% of their – yeah, well, their problems were in Vietnam, if you want to get down to for production. Know, brass yeah, taxes, yeah. they say. Yeah. But, yeah, and they mentioned it, and they were out front of it. So good for Nike. I mean – Look, the people that are, are acknowledging this and have been in front of it are getting rewarded. And the people that are using this as an excuse, which there are many, are getting punished. And that's isn't really that the way it should be. Shouldn't we be in this sort of um, meritocracy, this Darwinism of, of companies where good companies succeed and bad companies fail? But hasn't that sort of that whole thing sort of been washed away by the actions of these geniuses at our Federal Reserve? See, I can turn anything into a Fed conversation, by the way. Anyway, we know you can. All right, Amanda's going to start tr- tr- uh, some, getting in some questions in here. Um, Please. Let's do it. Why? You're sick of hearing yourself speak? No, me I, think, yeah. I think Top Trader has the mic. Okay. Hey, he... thank you guys for having me back. I always get a kick out of a uh, guy, and pretty funny guy. I get a kick out of myself as well. <laughs> I, wait, I wait. say it all the time. I could be on. I could be like one of those desert island. By the way, I mean that's somewhat of an oxymoron. You would think just by virtue of the fact that it's an island, you would have water and access to it. So, the desert island thing doesn't make a lot of sense. But what I'll tell you is, if I were on one, I'd amuse the shit out of myself. I'd be laughing all day. Anyway, please continue, <laughs> um, top trader. All right, um, guys, I'm I'm looking at Disney, and um, yeah, yeah, you are. <laughs> And you're impaling yourself because you bought it and you're like, oh, Disney is so great, blah, blah, blah. And they got all those shitty Star Wars movies and all those cool things. And now you're saying, oh, my God, it's below 160. What am I going to do? Well, take a look at the 145 level because that was a prior all-time high that it failed at. I think sort of, be honest with you, I think that's where it's headed. And then you maybe want to get in with both hands. But I think you're sort of in no man's land here in Disney. And oh, by the way, we just get uh, filled. We just get filled one. Okay. So there you go. And then get you have you, So you got the gap fill. Three. Which was the previous high in 2019 approaching. Yeah. So wait, so wait, uh, oh, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm confused for a second here. So you're long the stock. It filled in the gap back to, the January lows are back to that December 2020. Um, listen, I, I will tell you, I was on the closing bell um, 
on Wednesday, I think the day that they reported and, you know, I, I saw what you saw. I said, it's going to 160. Well, now it's below that. Um, and then you probably have to look at to fill in that, you know, the level and from where it gap from. So it doesn't seem like, um, you know, there's much technical support. I know we have uh, Helene on here. Maybe she would give us um, her two cents um, on that from a technical perspective. But Guy has been all over this from a deceleration of Disney Plus subscribers and what that would mean for the stock, given how much unusually positive sentiment has been wrapped up for, what, two years, Guy, would you say? And we got to give him props because Guy's been right. And guy, you did read me pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Well, that's what I do. You know what I'm saying? But look, go back to the December. Listen, if you really want to know the level, I think you go back. I think it was December. I'll get you the exact date if you just bear with me for a second. It was December, my birthday, 2019. I think the stock traded up to 148 and failed. That's your level. I think that's where it's headed. Then you want to buy it there. If you want to scale in from here, be my guest. But Disney on valuation makes zero sense. This Disney Plus that everybody got so so you know excited about complete loss leader. I wish they would say it. At least then I would believe them. I mean, they're not going to make a whole hell of a lot. Well, of money. no, hold on, no, I'm hold telling on. you, Dan, it's not a loss leader. Oh it's, yeah, it is. He watched Disney Plus. I mean, which means nothing. But I mean, I don't think it's a total fail. It's not a fail. Guy, guy just guy hasn't seen. A new movie since like the '80s, since Goodfellas. He only watches Yellowstone because he still thinks Costner is like, uh, you know, his, his. That was the second last movie he saw. Dances I love with Kevin Wolves. Costner. Can I no, tell you I something? You and you know what's amazing? You ever see the movie um, School Ties? I don't know if anybody ever saw that. Matt Damon's in it. Ben Affleck yeah. actually is in it. It's really good. Well done. And I'm watching this, and I'm like, wait a second. I'm looking at this one guy in the movie. I'm like. Why do I know him? And then they ran the credits, and his name is Cole Hauser. Sure enough, Cole Hauser plays Rip in Yellowstone. I'm like, holy shit. That's unbelievable. You know what he's also in? Cole Hauser was also in Dazed and Confused, and he was also in, I think I want to say – uh, something else, yeah, yeah, not not a great career for Cole Hauser. I mean, well, he's not, not in on Yellowstone. I know, but man. if you go and look at all those kids in Family Ties or, or what was it called, uh, School Ties, School Ties, they're all like most of them are killing it. That one guy went into Encino Man. I think that just kind of kill, killed his career. But after that, all right, I think we have someone else here, guy. Let's take. Uh, Thank you, guys. Thanks, bud. Top trader. Thanks, bud. Who else do we got here? Stock market news. Oh, stock market news. I don't know who this is. But he runs, and I drop in often, um, they run Twitter spaces uh, throughout the trading day. Really, I, I, and I honestly mean this, some really smart um, people on there. I, I drop in, and I hear smart stuff all the time. So Stock Market News, are you with us? Yeah, man. Uh, I appreciate and, the kind words there. Oh, I love your spaces. And you seem to have like a big group of people rather than just being guy yelling at each other the whole time. Um, so that's really fun. And wh- what are you guys trying to like? Are you just trying to get like an active audio community um, during the trading day? Is that what's going on? So, I mean, I think it's overall depending on the spaces. I really just enjoy being able to come in these and, and share information and everything like that. I personally am much more, sorry, much more of the host in these. I'm not an expert trader. I've been doing this for a couple of years, but you could tell by my voice I'm pretty young. My real goal of this is to get really awesome and intelligible speakers to come on and, and share information and kind of be the, the medium for that. So what are you nice. doing listening to me? <laughs> Guy, listen, you've come on one or two of our spaces before. We love it. I know I popped on. You. Yes, I did. And I was, I was a pleasure to join you. I'm just messing with you. 
No, I, I love these spaces. They're super funny. And I thought the comment about the desert island was pretty funny there. Well, so you, so you like that? So, so stock market news. You like dad jokes? Um, <laughs> what, do, what do you got? What do you got for us? Because we're going to try to take a couple more before we get out of here. I know it's a popular stock, so you guys might have talked about it. So stop me if you have. But Nvidia going into earnings. Ooh. I can give you the sauce behind that's, it. But... That's Dan's baby. Well, here's the deal. Okay, so like Nvidia, what, what was it? Bank of America last week, guy, or a week and a half ago, like raised their price target. Um, and the stock literally went up like 10% in a straight line. It was already at an all-time high and then went that much more. And I guess what I'm, I'd say is this. Here's a great example of a company who's doing everything correct. There's nothing – this company is not guiding. They generally guide really well. They don't sandbag. You know, they don't – you don't see lots of earnings gaps in their charts, ups and down. That's a huge tell, right, where, like, every other quarter you see, like, a 5 to 10% gap the opposite way. It means the company is either – you know, not very good at forecasting their own business or there's some other things going on there. This company, they do everything right and they're in the right spaces and they execute really well and they've been taking market share. So you can't blame the company that it trades at the multiple it does. It's got a $740 billion market cap, okay? Its earnings are expected to grow, I don't know, mid-teens next year, massive deceleration. Obviously, they pulled forward and they've been in all these secular shifts and everything like that. But, you know, mid-teens earnings and sales growth, that's what's expected for next year. So if you're a bull and you're buying the stock right here that you believe that consensus is way too low, right? That's why you'd be doing it. It's the only way that you could justify paying 70 times this year's earnings and about 29 times this year's sales. So this is a, this is a, a semiconductor company that trades nearly 30 times sales with one of the largest market caps on the planet, right? At 740 billion. That doesn't make any sense to me unless you're willing to tell me, no, Dan, you're, you're an old, you know what? And it's just a new paradigm. I just don't know that from my 25 years in business. I've never seen something like that work from here. Guy, tell me that I'm wrong. And you can say Tesla. That's what no, I'm not going to tell you Tesla. wrong. Listen, if you watch the show, you know we've been really constructive on NVIDIA and AMD specifically. And then recently when Qualcomm traded down to the high 120s, we started talking about that. What I'll tell you about NVIDIA is, and I know you know this, so I'm not breaking any news, but this was a $200 stock this time last month, or let's call it early October. I mean, the stock went from 200 to 315 in a pretty much in a straight line. So you've seen before in, in, with NVIDIA, I can remember it was a couple of years ago, it was a huge snowstorm, I think in November when they reported earnings and the stock went down, I think 18% in about five minutes. So it's not like we haven't seen this before. The smart thing to do, if you've been long the stock, in my opinion, is to take some money off the table and look for what should be, you know, a, a much needed pullback. But that's just yeah. Me. All right, I'm going to say one thing here, and I've been, I've been this conference I went to for the first time, and I want to say um, in 04, 05, Credit Suisse, which I am a consultant to, their technology investment banking group, full disclosure, but um, they host this TMT conference, Tech Media Telecom, uh, in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's going to start, I think, on November 30th. Now, all these semiconductor companies used to give mid-quarter updates, and they used to do it basically at the end of the second month of each quarter, and they would basically adjust their guidance. And, you know, as, as a trader and investor, I mean, I like hearing more from companies and big you know, it gives you the opportunity to kind of put that on the calendar and think about what potential catalysts are. Well, all of them went away from that. I want to say, Guy, would you say maybe in the last five years, maybe um, some never did it, but Texan, Intel, you know, all these guys used to do it. Well, here's the deal. At this Credit Suisse conference that starts on November 30th, 
You know who the keynotes are? Pat Gelsinger of Intel, then Lisa Sue, um, Dickerson from AMAT, the Micron CEO is going to be there. And I will tell you this, and I've been to this conference a lot over the years. There are sometimes some really big moves that come out of it. So I just going to put that on your guys' radars a little bit. Like, look, I'm going to be down there and maybe I'll tweet some stuff from there and maybe we'll do some spaces down there. Keep it, keep an eye on that one. All right, listen, we yeah. got to wrap. We really appreciate you, Stock Market News, checking in here. We'll see you on your spaces. Guy Dami, it was a pleasure to talk to you. You and I do these trading spaces every Monday and Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern. They're sponsored by the CME Group or CME Group. They're also the sponsor of our podcast, On the Tape. Check it out in the podcast stores. We had a great one with Michael Batnick and Stephanie Link last week, and obviously our co-host, Danny Moses. This week, we're going to do Terry Duffy, who's the CEO guy of CME Group. Right. And we might have a bonus uh, guest on there, too. He and I, Guy and I are heading down with Danny and Amanda to the uh, CME Group's uh, Pro-Am that goes down in Naples. And they do this great fundraiser for St. Jude's. They're going to have Jimmy Buffett playing, Guy. How about that? I love, I, I mean, you know, Jimmy Buffett. I mean, come <laughs> on, man. I mean, how many times can he play friggin' Margaritaville? But it's going to be fun. I look forward to it, Dan. This has right, been buddy. fun for me. I know it's been fun for you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in.